2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Long time no talk. It's been uh, uh, been a few months or so since we've had you on this show, but obviously you are always a part of the Broadway radio feed with this week on Broadway and on Sunday. You had another great episode talking about a really cool topic, like just moments with theater celebrities and obviously between you uh michael and peter there's a ton of stuff to talk about there kind of give us an overview of of some of the things that you all talked about on sunday's episode well i mean of course peter and michael just have the best stories the best stories and and uh, i'll just share two really quick tidbits here (laughs) peter during when he had first moved to New York, he he didn't have his job in uh, writing in the theater and he wasn't getting invites to shows and wasn't making a lot of money. And he uh, tried to sneak into 42nd Street, uh, the uh, the musical 42nd Street, the original, yeah, not, the original production. Yeah. Not the actual street, 42nd yes. Street. You yeah. didn't have to sneak in, although no. it was kind of seedy back then. Yeah, but. yeah. So he sneak he tries to sneak into Forty Second Street and gets caught by David Merrick, and Merrick oh Merrick gets physical with Peter and throws him out of the Winter Garden Theater, th- physically throws him out, and Peter gets thrown onto the sidewalk and cuts his face, and still to this day has a scar on his face caused by David Merrick. Wow. Isn't that that... carry on brand for David Merrick, but that's hilarious. <laughs> and it's so, so funny. But Peter got his revenge because he snuck in anyway, blood <laughs> and all. That day, not even that, a different day. He's, yeah, oh. he snuck in on it. He was on the he was on the Broadway side of the Winter Garden, went over to the Seventh Avenue side of the Winter Garden and got in and saw the show and after the show went up to David Merrick and said, It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> But Peter oh, says Mer- Merrick got his revenge because it was um, the most profitable show that Merrick ever produced. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did he actually? Did Peter actually think it sucked, or was he just telling Merrick that? No, no, he's not a fan of Forty Second Street. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's so, yeah, and uh, he also had this great story about Hal Holbrook. But I've talked too long, so you'll have to listen to yeah. Sundays this week on Broadway. The Hal Holbrook story is really, really good as well. That's awesome. Of Hal, course, Hal, Hal didn't hurt him. Uh, well, <laughs> at least not physically. No, uh, or emotionally <laughs> either. But um, yeah, of course, you can always hear the uh, episodes of this week on Broadway by heading over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. You can listen to them while they're being recorded. And of course, you can get all of those episodes in the Patreon feed before they hit our regular feed. All right, James, uh, since normally with uh, Ashley and Alicia, I just kind of go into the news. Do you want to go old school and introduce this first story? First up in the news, the reviews are in for Netflix's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The big screen, quote unquote, I guess, film adaptation of August Wilson's play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom will hit the Netflix streaming service on December 18th. It, of course, stars the wonderful uh, August Wilson interpreter Viola Davis as the titular Ma Rainey. It also features the late Chadwick Boseman, uh, along with Coleman Domingo, former Tell Me More guest Glenn Turman, Michael Potts, and more. It is directed 
directed by stage and screen director George C. Wolf and features an adaptation by Tony winner Ruben Santiago Hudson. This is one of the most uh, anticipated things from the entire film calendar, at least for me. I'm very excited. And James, it seems like it lives up to the previous uh, August Wilson film adaptation that was also produced by Denzel Washington, as this one was Fences a few years ago. Peter DeBerg, writing for Variety, said, quote, Nearly every second of Davis's performance is about power, about who has the upper hand over whom and what it means for a person, much less a people, to be a subordinate, to be in a subordinate position. Ruben Santiago Hudson's dutiful adaptation spells out some of that subtext, but audiences sensitivity will vary according to their life experience. Alonzo Duraldi for The Wrap said, quote, Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman get the meatiest roles here and make the most of absolutely every second they're on camera. But this Netflix feature is just as much a showcase for the talents of the always brilliant Coleman Domingo and the legendary Glenn Turman. Wolf not only guides his top flight cast to greatness, but he also keeps the play's themes of art versus commerce and representation versus exploitation front and center. Karen James for the BBC News says, quote, George C. Wolfe, best known as a theater director who sometimes makes films, doesn't shy away from the material's theatrical roots. The film takes place largely in two down and dirty rooms, the recording studio and a basement where the band rehearses. But it doesn't feel stage bound. Wolf finds the right balance between letting Wilson's trademark monologues flow and shooting them in a cinematic way that keeps the film moving. And finally, I wanted to end on this one. Robbie Collin for The Telegraph adds, this kind of is a fitting bookend to Chadwick Boseman's career after he passed away in August, suddenly to the public, at least, after ongoing a battle with cancer for the past four years. Collin wrote, quote, whether or not Bozeman knew it would be his last performance while giving it is moot. It is unquestionably his finest crackling with passion, intelligence, and anger, righteous and otherwise, and delivering an eyeball-magnetizing feline force. What's more, it feels anything but final. So, James, I got goosebumps reading that about Chadwick Boseman. I love Chadwick Boseman. Um, I am very excited to finally get to see this film and for Netflix to continue to produce um, the rest of the American century cycle uh, with, with Denzel Washington over the however many years it takes. But very, very excited to see this when it is released on December 18th. You know, Netflix, damn them. They raised my rates. They raised everybody's rates, not just mine. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Netflix raised their rates uh, a couple of bucks a month uh, across the board worldwide. And I was contemplating canceling them. But, you know, you pull this one out of the hat and you got to support Netflix. This is awesome. And they're doing so much with theater content not just with this with the prom and all of the stuff that ryan murphy is doing but i think there's going to be a lot more on there so you know when in, in, when it's more difficult to go out and see things in person whether that's film or theater something like netflix that just has such a huge catalog uh and they're making investments in really quality projects it it's almost it's almost impossible not to pay the whatever they raise their i don't even check it's just comes out automatically so uh it's, it's impossible almost impossible not to uh to subscribe yeah this is uh this is great because i, I mean they, they really uh i don't think that they are giving numbers out insofar as no. what it costs them to shoot this and and you know 
you know, how, how they calculate all this thing. I was interested, I was listening to KCRW's The Business, and they were talking about mm-hmm. um, Wonder Woman going directly to HBO Max. And the complications in that uh, are that uh, people who have uh, a piece of the film uh, based on the box sure. office, how do you calculate their their revenue there? And, and, and the Wonder Woman film estimated at having box office of $1 billion in normal times, uh, and now it's going to go to HBO Max. How do they calculate this? So it, it is a changing world, and for Netflix to continue to invest in theatrical projects that are, uh, you know, certainly, you know, less people are going to watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom than watch Friends. So... uh <laughs> Um, this is really encouraging that they continue to invest and that Denzel, Denzel, is Seriously. just he's just making it happen, you know, yeah. uh, as he promised he would for so many years and he keeps following through and it's, mm-hmm. it's just an impressive gentleman. Yep. What do we have in showing casting news? We've got some fun stuff, James. First up on Friday, the new group announced a whole host of stars that oh, yeah, will be participating yeah, yeah. in their upcoming online offerings. I'm going to run through all of them. It's a lot. So, if James, if you want to jump in uh, at any point, feel free. But what's interesting about this is that the new group, they're calling it the new group offstage, will, quote, feature theatrical expressions in different media. This new venture will develop and present original projects at the intersection of art and social engagement and explore the possibilities of cross-pollination among forms, which I think James just essentially means they're going to do some theater or theater tangential stuff in different ways that you can watch at home. Um, because what they're doing is that all of these projects will begin filming in early 2021 and then, and then will be released throughout the rest of the year when they're finished. I don't know if there's shooting for like the first half of the year. They didn't really say, but there's a lot of these things. First, the works in question are Waiting for Godot or Godot, if you prefer, starring (laughs) Ethan Hawke, John Leguizamo, Wallace Shawn, Tariq Trotter from The Roots, and Drake Bradshaw. Then there's The Dinner, which just has this amazing group of creators. It's written and directed by Warren Adams with music and lyrics by Brandon Victor Dixon and Michael Olataja and rap lyrics by Ron Vey O'Daniel and poetry by Daniel J. Watts. The company will feature BVD with others to be announced. Then there will be Lipsinka Must Be Destroyed Again, written and performed by John Epperson, Lipsinka's alter ego, and directed by stage and film star Chloe Sevigny. Also in this season will be Singing Heads, written and composed by Richard Thomas, not John Boy Richard Thomas, but uh, Jerry Springer, the opera Richard Thomas. Um, This will be a series of one person micro musicals that are based on real events. Casting will be announced. There will also be a multi-episode web series written and directed by Danye R. Love called I Need Space, as well as an audio play called Bernarda's Daughters by Diane Xavier and directed by Dominique Ryder based on the house of Bernarda Alba. And finally, it'll be there'll be an adaptation of The Seagull starring Edie Falco called What I Did for Love. Now, this will be apparently a, quote, meta mashup of play and process. Sounds fun. Apparently, it's going to be Edie Falco and um, the director are just tired of not working and they're going to try to figure out a way to upend their lives and make this happen during the the pandemic. So it's going to be meta. It's going to be uh, check off. It's going to be a little bit of everything. But once 
we're able to resume normal theatrical offerings and have audiences. The new group will present the play, the fever by Wallace Shawn, as well as the previously announced black, no more with a book by John Ridley and music and lyrics by the aforementioned Tariq Trotter starring Jennifer Damiano, again, Brandon Victor Dixon, Tamika Lawrence, Theo Stockman, Trotter himself, and more. Um, James, this is an incredible collection of pieces and it's kind of, not dissimilar to a lot of the stuff we've seen happening in the UK. So I'm glad that we finally have some sort of agreement between SAG and equity so that hopefully more theater companies and production companies and not-for-profits will be able to do projects like this for however long the rest of this shutdown and pandemic lasts. Yeah, the uh, the announcement last Friday about the uh, SAG equity agreement, I was going to ask you how that involved uh, – this stuff from the new group, but uh, uh, did they say from the new group uh, how these, uh, what kind of contracts these things are under or any, any, did they make reference to it at all? They did not. In the press release, they did not say anything about whether these were going to be SAG or equity. I don't, I mean, it sounds like some of these things were written. I mean, a lot of them, obviously waiting for Godot is going to be, a theatrical product, but the rest of them are seem to be original. The di- the dinner, Lip Sync Must Be Destroyed, um, Singing Heads, this uh, um, thing, uh, I Need Space from Donnie I Love. All of these things are originals other than Godot. So I'm imagining they might have just set these up to be under SAG contracts because they are original. They're not necessarily tied to theatrical uh, presentations, but at this point, who knows? I mean, anything is, it's hard to imagine or it's hard to kind of like figure out everything with the world as it is. So until they actually say, if they actually say, I, I have no idea. Big old shrug emoji for me. Yeah. I, I remember last Friday when I was listening to you and Ashley on uh, this week on the food network. Um, <laughs> it was it was actually, it was not me. I was not on, it was Ashley and Alicia. Oh, Ashley and Alicia. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what Ash- you get for listening to us on the food network and not here on Broadway radio. <laughs> you got me there. So uh, they uh, really outlined uh, pretty well what the, um, what, what the new agreement uh, encompasses. So if you're interested in that, uh, take a listen to Friday's show with Ashley and Alicia. And uh, that's right. You, you and Ashley were talking about, uh, about what's his name from the food network. I can't remember. Anthony Bourdain. No, no, not. Oh, well, you guys mentioned Anthony with the, the blonde guy who had the uh, Texas. Uh, oh, uh, Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Yeah. Guy yeah, Fieri yeah. in Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus, Ohio native Guy Fieri, by the way. Uh, Although he claims like Stockton, California or something like that is his hometown because he moved there when he was very young. All right. So uh, what's next in our uh, casting news? Okay, next up, it was announced on Friday that Pentatonic star and Kinky Boots alum Kirsten Maldonado has joined a Broadway aimed production of Stephen Schwartz's Children of Eden. Already attached are Deborah Cox and Norm Lewis, amongst others. The show's current tentative plan, of course, is to open the show in August of next year. Outside of Chicago. Now, James, what's interesting about this is that I first heard about this project over a year and a half ago through my actual job at Broadway World, um, where I was kind of doing some uh, advertising with them. But at that time, it was kind of a gala for this new social impact private equity fund that was looking to invest in theater. I don't really know what all of those words mean. (laughs) Um, But since then, I've heard that they want to film it for release. And now they're saying it's Broadway aimed. So I don't know if they're just kind of like slapping different 
taglines onto it for marketing purposes or investment purposes or if things are just kind of constantly changing given we're in the pandemic. But I kind of doubt that Children of Eden would ever work commercially on Broadway without like a mega star. But if we get a talent packed production even in a failed Broadway run or to be filmed, I'd be all for it because there really has never been a high profile production of this show, which just has an incredible score. It might never work on stage. I have no idea. I haven't seen it, but the score has some real, some of, some of Steven Schwartz's best work in my opinion. I, you know, every couple of years I hear that, uh, children of Eden is coming to Broadway. So, uh, (laughs) And there's a reason why it never has. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm sure that it, it would work as uh, a film uh, be, just because I think the numbers work better in a film. You can reach uh, a wider audience at a, a less of a cost. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, it would happen there. It's, a, uh, you know, I enjoy the show. I'm, I'm just not sure it's, it, it's something I would invest money into but did you hear uh norm lewis supposed to be a concert at the kennedy center was canceled over the weekend oh i did not yeah so uh it was canceled because of um i think somebody involved in the production tested positive and had an out of an abundance of caution they uh canceled the uh the thing at kennedy center hopefully it'll be rescheduled and uh, deb Deb schrager will let us know awesome All right. Last thing in this section, James, the second season of the musical drama TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist will premiere on a new night and time on NBC beginning on January 5th. It will air on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on NBC as the lead in to the highest rated drama on TV. This is us, which, of course, stars one of the original stars of Hades Town, whose name has now escaped me because I'm riffing. Oh, what is his name? He was the original Hermes. He plays Toby on the show. Chris Sullivan? Is that right? I think it's Chris Sullivan. Anyway, James, I don't know if Jennifer McHugh and I are going to be doing another season of recapping this show on the Patreon because it was a lot of work. Um, (laughs) But I'm excited to see if the show's producers listened to that season and took every single one of my notes and fixed everything that I didn't specifically like about the first season so that this will be tailored specifically for me in season two. I'm sure that they did, and uh, and they asked me if you wanted an, an executive uh, producer credit, and I said, of course. So, yeah, uh, uh, I, literally all I want to do is I want to be a producer, and I thought five years of doing this show, somebody would have at least hired me as a consultant, but nothing. I want to be a producer. Exactly. So what f- other feel-good recommendations do you have? Well, this first one, your mileage may vary depending on how much it makes you feel good. But this is a new song from the film adaptation of The Prom. It is called Wear Your Crown. It is a female empowerment anthem that includes, amongst other things, Meryl Streep rapping about Michelle Obama. Um, It is not a good song. It's not a I mean, it's not it's not a good song, but If they try to add it into the sh- to the film itself, I'm going to be disappointed. I think I've heard that it's just the the credits song. If that's the case, mm. that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Um, but it includes Nicole Kidman, Kerry Washington, Ariana DeBose, Joanne, uh, Joe Ellen Pellman, uh, and then, of course, Meryl Streep rapping. But um, we'll see. Um, it'll be available um, uh, as part of the soundtrack digitally on December 4th and a physical release uh, on December 18th. The movie itself will be available on December 11th on Netflix. So between that and Ma Rainey a week apart, 
some very exciting theatrical stuff happening on the Netflix. Could they not get Pierce Brosnan to come in and sing for them? <laughs> he would have been great. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he probably would have fit the um, Chris Sieber part from mm -hmm. the the stage show a little bit better than Andrew Rannells uh, did just like, cause I think Andrew Rannells and Chris Sieber aren't exactly the same. Yeah. They're in the same demos, but, um, and you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> next up, there's a great article. It's a week old by now, but there's a great article from the New York times, um, between, uh, David Itzkoff and Rachel Bloom talking about her new, uh, memoir. I want to be where the normal people are. The reason I wanted to mention this is because I got the book. I got my book when it was uh, released earlier this week, and I've just kind of started flipping through it, and it's uh, so much fun. She's so good. Uh, but one of the things in this article that she mentions is she talks about the new film that she is writing, which we talked about a few weeks ago. It's based on like um, the fandom around like the late nineties, mid to late nineties era boy band in sync. Um, and Lance Bass from the, the band is actually producing it. And she says, this is a great quote. She says, I want to make a jukebox musical about nostalgia for the late nineties. There's a huge part of myself that is very nostalgic for the year 1999, which is ironically, this is Matt talking the year I graduated high school. So same, um, even though it's like, wait, I was miserable in 1999. Why is this a part of myself and part of my nostalgia? Why do we look back? We're going to need stuff that makes us laugh. We're going to need stuff that's escapist. Here's the fun parts, but it can still have things to say a more global, more pointed, filthier mama mia. That's what I'm really excited to do. If there is anyone who can make a filthier mama, mama Mia, it is Rachel Bloom. And I'm very, very excited to see this whenever uh, it comes out. Well, when they do this, I really, really hope that Rachel Bloom writes a part in for Laura Benanti. Oh, that would be very good. Ironically, Laura Benanti is our next recommendation. Um, and while I wouldn't say that this shows the comedic side of Laura Benanti, that would fit very well with that. This 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 recommendation, which is a music video for her song Go Slow, which is on her new self-titled studio album, does show a very sultry side of Laura Benanti. It is a cover of the Julie London song, uh, Go Slow. And in talking about it, um, uh, Laura said, quote, uh, I wanted the video to evoke a woman languishing in her memories, a woman who has unapologetically lived her life and reminds us of the beauty of women at any age. I don't think that I need to go on the record any more than I already have about talking about um, my love for Laura Benanti and her beauty. But it's a great video, black and white video. Very cool. If you haven't gotten the album already, it's fantastic. That and um, the two that I've, I've gotten recently that I've been listening to a little bit are that and the Hades Town. Christmas album. Both of them very, very good. Very different, but uh, have some similar DNA in both of them. So highly recommend you watch the video, which we will have a link to in the show notes, and you get her, uh, her self-titled album wherever you get your music. I couldn't think of anything better than that to finish up. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your week with us, and uh, somebody will somebody. be back and uh, yeah. talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I will say that because of the holidays, things will be a little weird and wonky this week. We don't know how, but I have two interviews already done and one coming up um, today, maybe. Um, that'll be in the feed throughout the holiday week and stuff. And they are very excited. I had great times talking to um, uh, John Lloyd Young, 
of Jersey Boy fame, which will come out here, I think, next week. And then I also spoke with Marisha Wallace, um, who is having a huge year. Um, and uh, that one's a really good conversation, too. So you will hear both of those and then one other one um, that I'll be doing in the next day or so. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get those to you throughout the holidays. Today? Tomorrow? Tomorrow? Today? I don't know. Today? I don't know what day it is. What day it is?